Welcome to the Fan Bros, the show where the bros are fans. Doodle. Opinion of this supporter. If this nation or in fact the world ever needed heroes, that time is now. That time is now. What's up, internets? This is Chico Leo. I am flying high above this beautiful Brooklyn night as summer solstice gives way to autumnal equinox. The weather was great this weekend. And a lot of new shows are starting. We are here to talk about, well, talk about a bunch of things. But uh, first, we're going to talk about uh, this week's episode of Fear the Walking Dead, which was titled Not Fade Away. And it was directed by Carrie Scogland, who is a veteran uh, TV director who was an indie film director in like the 90s and early 2000s, who then migrated over to TV when all the premium TV started and they needed directors who'd worked on indie stuff who could turn things around really quickly, do a lot of setups in a day and could work with actors and high pressure and all of that and play, I guess, play the studio system. So, um, yeah, the show the show continues to vacillate. I, I was a little disappointed with last week's. I had I had thought the second one was a big second episode was a big improvement over the first. Um, Not fade away is the fourth of six, and um, I got I got to admit a lot of stuff happened in tonight's episode. Although uh, plot wise, you know, a lot of things happened. I thought there was a lot of regression on the parts of most of the characters um everybody who had been dope basically wasn't and everybody who hadn't been dope continued to not be dope so travis um one thing that they did was cool was that we jumped ahead i think the first three episodes all took place back to back to back all in the course of a day or a day and a night so we jumped forward i believe nine days uh, which is interesting because obviously the original Walking Dead jumps forward. I don't know how how long Rick was in a coma, but long enough for society to fall apart. Um, and so things are definitely different. Um, our heroes, well, I don't even want to call them that. The family members are all quarantined in 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 their neighborhood is quarantined, and everybody's living in Madison's house, um, which she. Um, so uh, politically correctly refers to as a refugee camp at one point. Um, meanwhile, everyone who's staying in her house is uh, is Latino, basically. And so it's a refugee camp. Um, yeah, I mean, we, we, we saw you, uh, Kim Dickens, on that one. Um, so Travis is, uh, I mean, they called him Mr. Mayor. I mean, he's the go-between between the citizens, the civilians, and the military who's run by, you know, a martinet named um, Lieutenant Moyers. And Travis is one of those dudes who, I guess he, you know, he he believes in the government. He thinks that, uh, you know, everything they say, you know, it's gonna, it's all going to work out. And um, we certainly see by the end of the episode that, that that's not necessarily the case. And, and actually, so does Travis. So the episode opens up with Travis, uh, Travis and Liza's son. Um, is that Chris? Yeah, Chris. And he's sitting on the roof doing a video diary. And they had already introduced him as some kind of videographer. Um, really, it just serves to bring us up to date. And it was sort of a thin excuse 
both to give the character something to do and for to give us the exposition that you know things things are terrible outside the fence and they're all in the fence and they're the lucky ones and he sees uh morse code being flashing from one of the houses on the hills outside the fence um this was one of the doper things in the episode because three different characters at three different points in the in the show go on the roof and actually see the Morse code um, with uh, Chris being the, the first one. And then I guess he tells everyone else um, Madison about halfway through sees it. And that leads her to actually um, make the real boneheaded move of the episode, which is she actually cuts a hole in the fence and goes out on the other side. Um, I'm not saying it was a boneheaded move because she went on the other side and she could have gotten eaten by zombies and turned into a zombie. But once you make a hole in the fence, eventually the zombies find it. Then they all come through. Then, you know, the ish hits the fan. So she went out, and that's the first time someone from the other side of the fence who wasn't a soldier basically um, sees what's going on. And that was, again, similar maybe to Rick coming out of the hospital. And everybody's dead, and she realizes that the army is basically exterminating everyone. Um, and, and then she, she goes back, um, her son, Nick, that this heroine storyline is definitely getting old, especially given the fact that a show about a dude who's a heroin addict in the zombie apocalypse. And so he has to do everything. And all he's doing is just to, to get heroin. And I guess they show some of that in this episode. I mean, he does do some dope, you know, maneuvering, lying under the bed of somebody who's on a morphine drip and, manages to stick the morphine drip in between his toes so you know in true junkie fashion he's pretending to kick and in fact is not at all and is you know when he's not hooking up to old people's ivs he's definitely floating around in a pool full of algae so you know that's not going to end well um his sister um is still pining over her boyfriend uh randy wagstaff from the wire and um is cutting things into her skin i believe it was some sort of tattoo um but that is also getting kind of old and you know I, I i've generally been here for nick and madison but they both were pretty whack in this episode i mean madison understandably is is all freaked out um, so she's painting over various blood stains, and you know, I, thinking that she's going to put her house on the market. And I understand that's her just sort of in shock, dealing with stuff. But they had shown her to be more steely and and in control in previous episodes. So I I don't know. I I wasn't really uh, yeah I wasn't really here for that. Um, she does get dope though when she realizes that uh, Nick is stealing drugs when she finds him looking for drugs in uh, in in her room after he's turned them down because he's been sneaking you know hits on on other people's ivs um so she gives him a couple of slaps that i feel like viewers really wanted to give him too and so we were able to live a little vicariously through that um and Oh, yeah. And so then there's the whole storyline. Ophelia gets down with uh, one of the soldiers played by Sean Hatosi, who uh, they tried to make a leading man like 20 years ago. He was in the Farrelly Brothers like stoner movie that came out like two movies after something about Mary. Um, and he's been relegated to not even like really roles in TV shows, but just sort of pops up on TV shows here and there. 
And uh, that could be Taylor Kitsch in 20 years. So uh, be forewarned. But anyway, he's having an affair with Ophelia. And that's all dope and young love and all of that. And Ophelia's mom, uh, Ruben Blades' character, what's his name? Um, Daniel. Yeah, Griselda. Uh, she's going to have her foot amputated and a doctor shows up. The doctor is sort of, it wasn't clear if the doctor was an independent contractor or if the doctor was associated with the army, but the doctor was played by the doctor from the first season of House of Cards who Claire, uh, Robin Wright, uh, maneuvered really dopely into and out of her organization using all kinds of you know extortion and blackmail and everything else. Anyway, she's a good actress, and um, she seems to be checking everyone out and then reporting back to the army, and people who aren't up to snuff are getting taken away, um, which I guess is sort of understandable because they don't know what zombies are, and they don't know what's causing people to start eating other people. It is all very sinister, although you you know that the government acting you know, uh, the way governments act, uh, that is, that is what they might do. I mean, they might literally try to, you know, cut the leg off just to, you know, save the body or, or whatever that analogy is, but they're being pretty ruthless. So the government has taken, uh, both Griselda and Nick, um, out. Um, and that's where we're left. Um, or, or right after, and, and, Madison blames Liza. Liza goes off with them and it's not clear if she's going to be like an inside quote unquote inside man or if, you know, that, which is what I think. Um, but, um, Travis goes on the roof. Oh, and so Madison is holding her responsible. Travis goes on the roof, sees the flashing, um, lights, you know, the flashing Morse code and then sees gunfire, sees and hears gunfire. And so the army had seen that. And rather than take any risks, they went and exterminated. So basically, when the zombie apocalypse happens, if you're not in, if you think, yeah, I can, I can ride it out of my house. I've got a lot of canned food. I got a lot of water, blah, blah, blah. The army will still come and kill you, even if you've done everything to survive, which echoes a lot of these zombie stories. I mean, the, the final scene final shot so to speak in night of the living dead the original george romero zombie that's zombie movie that started it all is actually the hero getting shot by a bunch of good old boys from afar who think that he's a zombie and are just out shooting zombies and um yeah so it looks like in the next episode, everyone's going to squat up and go and try and rescue these guys, you know, rescue these guys and then maybe make a break for it. I'm assuming the hole in the fence is going to come back to bite um, everybody within the fence in the ass and there's going to be some big carnage and then it's going to be them out on the road, you know, with their suitcases and the sun going through withdrawal and and a couple of people will have been eaten and you know they'll tell us the next season's going to be in 10 months or whatever um but in general um you know this season so far has been up and down i probably liked last week's uh oh no i was a little disappointed with last week. i probably like this one a little more than last week's um i do think again once again they show much better than they tell. I thought the best sequence was the sequence that just shows, had the different characters seeing the Morse code and just sort of what was going on in the rest of the episode. 
and when they actually have characters basically talk to each other, it's it's uh, it's usually more awkward than not. Um, but you know, definitely continuing to plow through. Looking forward to uh, the actual Walking Dead coming on um, the uh, the weekend of New York Comic Con. More more on that later. So yeah, bunch of shows have started up. Um, Doctor Who started up this weekend. Sadly, I don't watch that. Uh, Jamie Rigetti was the Doctor Who uh, maven among us. So hopefully she can come back uh, sometime this season at least once and tell us about what's going on there. Something started this last Tuesday, and it's really better not spoken about. But I did push it, or I I mentioned it on this show, and so I, I have to follow up. Um, The Bastard Executioner, Kurt Sutter's new show, premiered on Tuesday. I gave it a shot. I thought it might be something, you know, a Fambro type show. Anyone, you know, who likes Game of Thrones or Vikings or Spartacus. Well, sadly, this show was nowhere near up to the level of those things. It was, it was, I thought, overwrought. It was... um, Way too mean-spirited, way too over-ambitious and self-indulgent. Kurt Sutter, you know, is talented, but he's a raving lunatic. I felt that, you know, every season of of Sons of Anarchy just got sort of worse and more bloated and more, you know, by the end, every episode was two hours. Um, Too many characters. And on Sons of Anarchy, frankly, I thought that, you know, the characters were totally inconsistent from episode to episode, season to season. They just did whatever Kurt Sutter wanted them to do. Um, I he did work on The Shield. I think The Shield is one of the you know best shows of the 2000s, without a doubt. Um, But. Uh, his instincts, you know, he's 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 gotten more and more out of control. So, you know, this pilot, uh, you know, I, I wanted to like it going into it, but it wasn't. I can sit and watch all kinds of violence, but it wasn't that it was violence. It was just the mean spirited nature of it. The, the characters just I mean, why would you if you were the Earl or Lord of an area just start killing the people who you survive off their taxes, you know, like. It was just really violent, you know, uh, babies being cut out of women's uteruses and, you know, being held up in front of the camera. Just just a lot, a lot of nasty stuff. I mean, I guess I give it points for being a show that takes place in like the 1100s in Wales. And it did have, you know, one African character. Um, there was an African uh, dude who had converted to Catholicism. That was by far and away the most interesting thing, and it was you know about a minute and a half of a two-hour episode. But there is an African dude who converted to Catholicism at some point and is living in this tiny Welsh village. But um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, people out there might like it uh, on this one. I have to say Ben was 100% right. Ben was like, no, that show's going to suck. I thought he was wrong. Uh, as far as I'm concerned, I, that was to say the show sucked was an understatement. Someone asked me about it on Twitter or something, and I definitely, the experience of watching it was akin to having monkeys throw shit at me for two hours at the zoo, or not at the zoo. I mean, it just, it was like if I went to Wales and just had monkeys throw shit at me. So that was really my experience with the Bastard Executioner. Um, I have, you know, slightly higher, well, higher hopes than that. Although I got to be honest, going into it, I lower hopes overall than I did for the Bastard Executioner in Minority Report, which is starting up um, this week. If you're listening to this on Monday, it's starting tonight. 
Um, it's got it's starring Megan Good, and I I actually really love Minority Report the movie. I think it's Steven Spielberg's last great movie. Um, and I just I don't know if it's been too long. I don't know if you know. I'm I'm into I'm I'm definitely here for all kinds of conspiracy. You not not even conspiracy, but like uh, you know the the ethical issues of you know pre crime and arresting people before they've committed a crime and all that stuff and the weird surveillance notions. So I don't know the tone and just look of the show and from what I've seen just on commercials and TV kind of leave me feeling like wow this show would have been really dope in like 2002 but we'll, we'll see i mean i know that's around when the movie came out so uh you know um i'm definitely gonna watch it you know let us know what what you guys think um also coming up is heroes reborn a show that there's no no possible way that you could get me to watch other than strapping me into one of those clockwork orange chairs and 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 prying my eyeballs open um, Empire is starting up. So, you know, there, there's, uh, there, there's a lot going on in the world of TV as, uh, as we move into the fall season, the strain is still going. Um, I gave up after season one. I, I don't know if Ben gave up or is still watching it. Um, I'm pretty sure Kimson is still watching it and loving it. So you should definitely tweet all your strain comments to, uh, at Kimsonian and, um, Oh, yeah. The Emmys were tonight, hosted by Andy Sandberg, um, who I thought was funny on Saturday Night Live, but I haven't really seen him do much, you know, since then personally. And uh, yeah, I don't even know if I watched those episodes. I just saw them on the Internet. But um, so Outstanding Drama Series went to Game of Thrones. I mean, if we're being honest, every year they should just lock the doors and just shoot everyone else who's not Game of Thrones full of arrows um, as far as, you know, all the awards should be going to Game of Thrones. I mean, that's sort of a given. That said, this was I actually was, um, you know, this was like the first this this was the it's hard to say most disappointing season of Game of Thrones because I really loved it. But or I love the show. But this was the first one where I felt like they were like it got a little creaky at times. There were some chinks in the armor. Um, I definitely, you know, got a little too rapey at times. Um, so, uh, but Game of Thrones, this was the year that Game of Thrones won outstanding drama series. Um, Veep won outstanding comedy series. I watch Veep. I think it's pretty, I mean, I think it's a pretty amazing show. I'm pretty sure this is like the third or fourth year in a row that it's won. John Hamm won for Mad Men. I mean, yes, he's dope. Mad, Mad Men also, I think, dragged out too long, and it doesn't it doesn't really feel like it's, like, you know, of today. It's, you know, Mad Men really feels like something from, like, you know, 2009, 2010, like, you know, um, Obama's first election. Um, outstanding lead actress in a drama series was Viola Davis um, from How to Get Away with Murder. Um, I guess the only, you know, she beat out Taraji G. Henson. That was, a, I guess, a big thing. Tatiana Maslany was also nominated. I felt like she should have gotten it in the first season. Like, they're just making up for lost time by honoring her now. Because um, she really is, I mean, everything that's good about Orphan Black is, is her performance. Um, Jeffrey Tambor won Outstanding Lead Actor in a Comedy Series um, and for Transparent, which was the one Amazon show that I watched that I thought was good. Um, I've started 
about five other Amazon shows with really great casts and really good pedigrees, and it's just not, just hasn't worked out. Julia Louis-Dreyfus won uh, for Outstanding Lead Actress in a Comedy Series for Veep. I believe, again, she's won the last, like, three or four years. Um, maybe Edie Falco won one of those, but I, I'm pretty sure that, you know, she, she keeps winning it. Um Outstanding Supporting Actor in a Drama Series, Peter Dinklage for Game of Thrones. I think this is the second time that he's won. And I think the only time that uh, the only acting award that, uh, that's, that, that's been won on the show is him twice now for Outstanding Supporting Actor. Um, out supporting, uh, outstanding Supporting Actress in a Drama Series was um, Uzo Aduba from Orange is the New Black, which I did watch the first season and a half of. And I meant to get back to and just didn't. Um, outstanding supporting actress in a comedy series, Allison Janney for Mom, a show that I've never seen, but I do think Allison Janney is really dope, and um, so I'm 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 fine with that. Um, outstanding supporting actor in a comedy series, Tony Hale for Veep. I, you know, everybody on Veep is really dope. I think What's Her Face, Julia Louis-Dreyfus, stands out. I would have actually given this one to Keegan-Michael Key for Key and Peel of all the other people that were nominated. Um, it is a little weird that, uh, that, that one would be nominated, not the other. But, um, yeah, so I'm, I, I would give that one. I'm not, nothing against Tony Hale, but he wasn't any doper than any of the other, like, flaunting toadies, you know, surrounding her. I mean, there's so, there's so many dope character actors on, uh, Veep that I just think to pick one out is, is silly. Um, outstanding miniseries, Olive Kittredge. Um, I, it's like the one HBO thing that I didn't watch and it won a whole bunch of awards. So I can't really speak to that. Outstanding television movie, uh, Bessie, which I actually predicted. Um, I also predicted that Queen Latifah would win the uh, Best Lead Actress in a Miniseries, uh, which she did not. Frances McDormand did for the aforementioned Olive Kittredge. Um, I actually thought Queen Latifah was even better than Bessie than the show. Not not than Bessie Smith. but So I, I actually would have given the award to... Uh, to Queen Latifah and given, you know, given the outstanding television movie to, to something else, if that's, you know, how they wanted to play it. But anyway, I think Bessie was well, well-deserved outstanding television movie. Um, outstanding lead actor in a miniseries was Richard Jenkins for Olive, Olive Kittredge. Again, didn't see. Um, outstanding supporting actor in a miniseries was Bill Murray for Olive Kittredge. Outstanding Supporting Actress in a Miniseries or a Movie, uh, Regina King for American Crime, which I guess they're com- they're considering a miniseries, which means that they'll definitely consider Fear the Walking Dead a miniseries. Outstanding Variety Talk Series, they gave it to The Daily Show. I would have given it to last week tonight, but this was The Daily Show's last season. Also, Outstanding Writing for Variety Series, they're, uh, they gave it to The Daily Show. I would have given it to last week tonight. Outstanding direct. All right, I, I don't know if I need to read any of these. Outstanding directing for Variety Series Daily Show. Outstanding Variety Sketch Series went to Inside Amy Schumer. I would have given that Key and Peel, but I don't watch Inside Amy Schumer, and I do watch Key and Peel. Um, and then you get into a whole bunch of reality stuff that you know I, I can't imagine anyone uh, really caring about. Oh, outstanding guest actor in a drama series, Reg E. Kathy in House of Cards. He was dope, although really no doper than he is in anything else. He's a really dope character actor wherever he goes. Outstanding guest actress in the drama series, Margot Martindale. 
uh, from the Americans. She's really dope on the Americans as the hand as one of the handlers of the Russian spies who are you know hiding as Americans. Um, guest uh, guest actor, outstanding guest actor in a drama. Oh, that was I just did that. Um, outstanding guest actor in a comedy. Bradley Whitford in Transparent. Eh, I mean. I was saying guest actress in a comedy series, Joan Cusack and Shameless. I don't even think she was on there this season. Um, and I've always sort of wondered what the hell they were doing with her in that. Um, outstanding writing for a drama, drama series went to the episode Mother's Mercy for Game of Thrones. Another another Game of Thrones, uh, you know. Anyway, uh, also outstanding directing for a drama series went to that episode. Uh, Mother's Mercy, David Nutter. Um, I'm glad that's not my name. And, uh, yeah, so uh, the Emmys have come and gone. Summer has come and gone. Uh, The Strain will soon have come and gone. Fear the Walking Dead will have come and gone. But Fan Bros will continue. And uh, I hope you are all checking your calendars and figuring out which, if not all, Super Week events you can be attending uh, we've got uh, the Attack of the Con Star Trek vs. Star Wars event. We've got the Black Girl Nerds Fan Bros Live podcast event. And we've got the Cosplay Crossplay contest. So uh, check out fanbros.com. Check out follow at fanbros at Twitter. And uh, yeah, keep watching the skies. Peace. Fan-